open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're just joining us, we've been in a sermon series called Transforming Presence. We're coming to a close to this sermon series, and what I want you to walk away with is this idea, right, that God, God wants to shape you, God wants to mold you into the person he's called you to be. And the way God's going to shape you, right? Like if you're the person who is always frustrated, right, with yourself of the sin that you continue to, to commit, the, the, the sin issue that you find yourself facing every single day, like if you want to see victory and you're like, God, why, why can't I overcome the sin? The reason why is that because we live in a culture and we live in a world where we, we seek instant gratification. We think, right, if I just do this, if I just read my Bible today, then I'm not going to struggle with the sin issue anymore. And we have to remember, right, that the way God's going to shape you, the way God's going to change you is over time, every day, through habits and disciplines that turn into rhythms that you practice over the months, over the years, over the decades, right? That's how you're going to see God transform you. It's not from one day to the next. It's the next day, the next day, and the next day. And when God transforms you, when God makes you new in the areas and spaces in your life where you're still resisting or where there's still issues, what you're going to notice that over time, God transformed you and then transformed the world around you because you can't help but respond in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord and in a way that looks more like Jesus, right? And if you think about the way Jesus impacted our world, you can have that same impact in your world, in your community, in your home, and at your workplace. And we see time and time again that spiritual transformation happens one day at a time over long periods of time. And one of the ways that God wants to transform you, one of the ways that God wants to help you see and shape your heart is about money. Everyone say money. money. Now, you need to know this. One, I planned the sermon series way in advance. Months in advance, if not to a year. I planned this sermon today, months ago. So we're going to talk about money. And I did not plan that we would have the generosity project, the wild thing, the issue one thing. Like, I did not plan that at all. So, so if you walked in here like, oh my gosh, this guy's slick. Um, no, I'm not that slick. Um, you know what I wanted to do? Here's what I want to, because you know, guys, I'm ornery. Like, I'm, I, I like to be bad. And you, you laugh, but I'm being serious. I like, I like to be bad. Um, I like to stir the pot so much. You know what I really wanted to do? I wanted to do, I, I didn't tell anybody this, but I wanted to do is like, just to like mess with people here, um, I wanted to play that song. Money, 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 money. Just to like get people worked up. Um, just because I like to see, I don't know, I'm not saying, listen, you guys are like, oh, that's not very passive. Like, well, you voted for me. So, I mean, <laughs> that's on you. That's not on me. For two years, I told you, no, don't do this. Don't do this. And you were like, no, we want to do it. We want to do it. So here you go. This is what you got. Um, and here's, Here's why, because I think there's, I think we get, I, rightfully so, like, we don't like to talk about money, right? 
you guys didn't respond. So if you do want to talk about money, come see me at the service. Right? We don't really like to talk about money. For some reason, it's taboo. It's like, we don't want to talk about how much money we make. We don't want to talk about what we spend our money on. Though we show how we spend our money, right? Like, we have no problem. We just don't want to say it. Um, and I'm sorry for the guests who are walking in here for the first time. We've been here for a couple of weeks. They're like, oh my gosh, you're the church? And I'm like, oh, well, sorry. Well, we're going to talk about it. Because here's why. God has something to say about money. God has something to say, not so much to get you to give money, but he wants, he wants you to see, he wants you to understand, he wants you to know a biblical perspective of money. Right? He wants to shape your heart. And you're going to hear this over and over again in the sermon. God does not need your money. But what God wants is your heart. Why? Because your heart is sinful. Your heart is prone to believe something that's not true about money, about the Bible, about meditation, about community, discipleship, evangelism. Like our sin is going to, 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 to inform what we believe. And God says, hey, listen, because you're sinful, I'm going to give you the Bible to teach you on what you should believe about money. And God has a lot to say about money. In fact, 11 of Jesus' 39 parables refer to or are about money. There are about 2,000 verses in the New Testament or maybe in the entire Bible that reference money. And it's not because God is after your money. He don't need your money. It's because our sin is going to shape the way we feel about money and sin is going to shape how we think about money. So God says, I need to inform you on what you should feel, on what you should think. God wants to inform your, your intentions on how you spend your money. God wants to give you all the tools available to you so that you can understand how to be generous, how to give. And, and though we're going to be talking about money because Paul's talking about money here, the principle is true in every aspect of our lives, right? Like, if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, he's going to talk about money. No, I'm talking about your gifts, your talents, your resources. What do you have to give to God? What has God given you that you can steward well for his honor and glory? How can you be generous with your spiritual gifts in home groups, in groups that meet in the morning? Or how can you use your skills and talents to benefit other people who don't know how to use or don't have that gift. So the principle applies, but we're talking about money. Particularly, we're going to be talking about generosity. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wants you to think about money as an opportunity to be generous. So Paul's goal in chapter 9 is not to tell you where to spend your money, how to balance you, right? Like Paul's not Dave Ramsey. He's going to say, here's, here's the spreadsheet. Here's how you spend the money. Here's how you invest in stocks. Here's how you uh, invest in mutual funds. Stay out of debt. Don't be in debt. Pay this off. Snowball. As you guys already know, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. But anyway, right? Like he's not doing that. What he's saying is God already commands us to be generous with our money. So Paul wants to inform us what that actually looks like. And he says it's an opportunity. Your money, your gifts, your talents, your resources. How about that? All of your resources are opportunities to be generous. And that should be our ultimate goal. 
our ultimate goal in our, in our finances, in our resources, in our gifts, in our talents, is to be generous, right? So we read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just a couple of verses, 6 to 11. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you'd like to underline your Bible or highlight, I would highlight that last part, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a really long sentence. We'll talk about what that means. Verse nine, and it is written, he's quoting Psalm. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Last verse, 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Good verse, huh? Now go give. <laughs> um, Paul has no problem talking about money. In fact, Paul doesn't have a problem asking for money. That is exactly what he's doing in chapter nine. He calls the church in Corinth to say, hey, listen, we need money. The church in Jerusalem needs money. We need your help. And guess what I told them? I told them that you are very generous. Don't make me a liar. I know I'm not lying. So why don't you give? Give graciously, give with love, Give with generosity. I'm going to send some people over to collect the money. When they get there, give it to them and make sure you're generous because I said you are a generous people. Paul has no problem asking for money or talking about money. In fact, last week, um, we had a, uh, a team meeting with the Yucatan, the, the college ministry campus focus is going to the Yucatan in March for their spring break. And um, one of the leaders said, listen, I know the hardest part about um, mission trips is that you have to raise your support. You have to pay the, the $2,500 to go on the mission trip, and that's a hard deal for college students. In fact, that's a hard, that's a hard ask for any of us, right? Um, um, for many of us, at least. And, and this is what she said. She said, you know, I don't like to ask for money. It's hard for me to ask for money. But here's what we found, that when we ask for money, people are generous and kind to the causes. So you should ask. Why do you think she says she's afraid to ask for money? Why are we afraid to talk about money? Why are you and I, as the young people say, the ick, we have an ick towards talking about money. I had to think about this for a while. I don't, I don't know fully why, but here, here's a thought. I think many of us, if not most of us, have a problem talking about money or are uncomfortable talking about money is because we don't really think God cares about our money. And because God doesn't care, then we can do whatever we want with our money and it's our business and our business alone. Here's what I mean by that. We, 
we're far more willing to talk about our sin in a gospel-centered community. We're actually far more willing to talk about our marital problems and relationship problems and people problems and work problems because God has something to say about those things and, and sin creeps up in our heart and sin ends up influencing us in some way. We're far more comfortable talking about our lust, our pornography issue, or our, our kindness to our spouse, but we don't like talking about money. And I think it's because we, we don't generally think that God cares about it, that it's a private matter. There's no accountability needed. I don't have to confess the way I spend my money to my accountability partners. I don't have to talk about it. We don't talk about it in groups. We don't talk about it in church. It's a private matter. God has nothing really to say other than I should be generous. And I think that's the wrong perspective. And I think that perspective leads us to believe, right, that it's something that we shouldn't talk about. And there's some other reasons too. One, we've become far more untrustful. Yeah, we've become far more cynical towards organization and churches that ask for money. Because why? We have an idea in our mind of what money is, how to spend money, how it should be spent, and, and we're not always happy the way it's spent, or we're not always happy the way it's asked for, and we just have a strong opinion about it because it's a private matter. And I think that's the wrong perspective to have. I think what you're going to find is that apart from, apart from us talking about money, God has something to say about your money. And here's, here's what God wants. God simply wants you to be generous with your resources. That's all he wants. He wants you to be generous. In this section, we're going to see, apart from seeing, um, apart from telling you, hey, be generous, Paul's going to encourage us to view generosity in three ways. First way is this. He wants us to see our generosity as an investment. Look at verse six. God wants you to see your generosity as an investment. So often people think that when they give, they're losing money, right? Have you ever felt that? That when you're giving money to an organization or a church or, or you're giving money to someone, you feel like you're losing something. But what Paul is saying here is that you're not actually losing anything. You're actually gaining, right? Your, your investment is going to grow. If I told you, hey, I have an investment fund in the stock market that's guaranteed, you're going, you're going to see it grow, you're gonna see it multiply, you would be excited, right? And what would you do? You would give. You would give as much as you could. Why? Because you knew that that investment is not gonna go bad. It's gonna be good. Right? If I told you, hey, every time you play the lottery, you're going to win, what are you going to do? You're going to go play the lottery. Right? That's how God wants us to see our generosity. That our generosity is an investment. That when you give of your resources, when you give of your talent, when you give of your money, when you give of your skills and your gifts to the church, to the body of Christ, to, to people who are in need, it's an investment in God's kingdom. You are investing in the work of God to advance the gospel and to advance his kingdom. 
but you have to change the perspective. You can't view your generosity as losing money. You can't think of it as like, this is mine and I have to give a portion away and, and I'm losing that portion. That's not, that's not God's economy. God wants you to be generous. He wants you to be generous in his kingdom for his kingdom. And he wants you to see it as an investment. The second thing that we'll see in verse seven, that Paul wants us to see generosity as voluntary. Let's read it. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Let's pause. Giving, generosity, comes from our heart. The chapel has not put a law in our constitution or in our statement of faith, in our membership class, that you have to give this amount and everyone must give it. We're going to be checking. No, that's not, that's not what we're saying. Paul's saying you give out of your heart. Giving is voluntary. In the Old Testament, everyone has heard this idea. It's called a tithe, 10%. In the Old Testament, God's people gave a tithe. They gave 10% of whatever they earned back to God, and that went back to the temple, the tabernacle, to the priests. Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils to King Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. Jacob gives a tenth of his possessions to the angel of the Lord, right, when he wrestles with God in Genesis 28. Israel gave a tenth of their fruits. They gave a tenth of their seeds. I mean, they're, they're, they gave a tenth of their, of their earnings to the Levite priests. So in the Old Testament, there's a standard. And the reason why it's a standard in the Old Testament is because God wants his people to be generous. And to be generous, he, he provides a law. He provides an opportunity. In the New Testament, there is no law of tithing. You guys can breathe. In the New Testament, it doesn't say, you have to give 10% or God's going to judge you. Why? Because God wants you to give out of your heart. He wants you to give out of your love. He, he doesn't want to force you to do something, right? That first hasn't been shaped in your heart. Just to give you a couple of stats. In America, the average person gives about 2 to 3%. The average Christian today gives about 3 to 4%. And about 25% uh, Christians do not give anything at all. What's the point of that stat? We, we all have a different perspective of giving. And it's not to shame you. It's to, say, it's to say that, hey, listen, giving is voluntary. You don't have to give if you don't want to give. I'm telling you right now, like if you feel pressured in this church to give money, your time, your talents, please stop giving. Because God doesn't need your money. What God wants is your heart. What he wants to do is shape your heart. He wants you to have the right motive. He wants you to have the right posture. He wants you to have the right attitude towards giving. And if you give in a way that doesn't honor God, if you give in a way that doesn't please him, that you're not actually giving anything at all. You're just giving. Giving has more to do with your attitude. Giving has less to do about the amount you give. Therefore, what you're going to see in the New Testament, what you're seeing in this passage, right? It's about your attitude towards giving. And we see in verse 7, 
right? That there's a way of not giving. And what is that way of not giving? Reluctant or under compulsion. Third thing I want you to see that Paul wants us to see in this passage concerning giving, concerning our generosity, is that generosity in verse seven as well is an act of worship. God cares about the way we give. He desires for us to give joyfully. He wants us to love to give. Did you hear that? God wants you to love to give, to be generous. He wants you to give with joy. This passage uses the idea of cheerfulness. God wants you to give with great joy. And, and this is how it's an act of worship. If you know something pleases God, it brings him honor and glory, then that's the thing you should do in response to his generosity, right? So if God said he loves a cheerful giver, then what should you do? You should give cheerfully. Why? Because it pleases him. Because it honors him. It makes much of him. It gives him the glory. Amen. He gives him the proper glory in our lives when we say, God, I'm not just giving you an amount, but I'm giving you with great joy. I'm, I'm giving you with great love. I'm giving you with the right attitude. I'm giving you with the right position. I'm giving you with the right disposition. I love this quote by Daniel Whitney. He says this about generosity. He says, God does not send you a bill. The church does not send you a monthly statement. We do not give to God and to the support of the work of his kingdom to fulfill some supposed 11th commandment. Love to God should motivate us to give back to God. How much you should give reflects how much you love God. That is your act of worship. That is your rightful response in giving. You give with a cheerful heart. And when you give with a cheerful heart, it's an act of worship. So what are some of the results of generosity? We'll see this in the next couple of verses. What happens when you have the right attitude and the right approach towards generosity and cheerful giving? There are three things I want you to notice. The first is you will have everything you need to give. That was, that's what verses eight through 10 says. Verses eight through 10 says, listen, God is gracious, God is kind, God is merciful. God has everything you need to live a generous lifestyle. So there's nothing for you to worry about. What you have has been given to God. Now, you might be thinking this is the prosperity gospel, right? Right, that this idea that I give so I can get back, I give so that I can be blessed, right? I give so I can have more wealth, I give so I can have more health. No, this is not the prosperity gospel, right? We give so that, so, excuse me, God gives us so that we can give back to him. And for many people, money is a burden. It's not a blessing. You worry about how much money you have. You're fearful of how much money you lack. You desire more of it because you're convinced yourself that if I just have a little bit more, I'll be okay. And then you say, when I have a little bit more, then I can give. If I just can reach this level of, of income, then I can start giving. That's not what this passage says. This passage says, 
God has already given you everything you need to be generous. So, our response is, give what we have. The enemy will try to convince you that generosity is wasteful. The enemy will try to convince you that the only investment that you should have is in yourself and in your future. That's what our culture says, right? Our culture says you, sh you shouldn't give, you shouldn't be generous. You should only be generous to the thing that makes you wealthy, the thing that promotes you. And Jesus say, no, I've given you already everything that you need and I've given you everything that you have so that you can be generous. The second thing that you'll see in this passage of verse 10 is that you will see God in a different way. The result of generosity is you're going to see him differently. How are you going to see God? Verse 10 tells you how you're going to see God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. How do you see God? You see God as the one who owns everything. That's the beginning part of verse 10. He who supplies the seed. Going back to verse 6. When you are generous, when you give cheerfully, you're going to see that God owns everything. Everything belongs to him. Your money is not your money. You are just a steward of that money. You realize that, that God owns it and you're just giving it back to him. You don't believe me? Psalms 24, what does Psalms 24 say? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What, is, what, is, what does that mean? That means that, that everything belongs to God. Everything in the world belongs to God. Psalms 89 says, the heavens are yours. The earth is yours. The world and everything contained in it is yours. Haggai says also in chapter two, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Everything belongs to God. And when you realize that your money isn't actually yours, there is a freedom in that. When you realize that God has given you money to steward, there's a freedom. You're not burdened by it because you know that it belongs to him. He gives as much as he wants. He takes as much as he wants. When you realize it belongs to him, it's not only freeing, but, but beyond that freedom, it's also for us an opportunity to see how God is generous. We serve a generous God. The third thing I want you to notice, last thing, verse 11. The result of our generosity produces gratitude. People who can't help but give generously and cheerfully are people who are overwhelmed with gratitude. And not only that, other people see that gratitude and respond with gratitude. That's what Paul is saying in that passage. And there are so many reasons for us to be grateful, amen? amen. We were celebrating Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. I'm sure many of you have already shopped for Thanksgiving. Some of you are waiting till last minute. Good luck. And, and for us, Thanksgiving is a great time to, to thank God for all the good blessings that he has given us. But, but an opportunity that we miss is to think this way. It's to be grateful and thankful that God is a generous God. And because he's been generous to you and me, our response, right, should it be a posture of gratitude. 
When was the last time you asked, you told God, thank you? When was the last time you thanked God for the blessings that you had? Or are you one to complain about the clothes that you have or the clothes that you don't have or the car, or the, the house or the income that you have or don't have? God, God is generous to us. Think about it in this way. For those of you who are cheap, right? God is still gracious to you and generous to you. That's a great opportunity for you to say, God, thank you that I have everything that I need. Everything that I want is found in you. So, what is your discipline of generosity? Think about it for a minute. What are the habits? What are the practices in your life that you're going to do this week to demonstrate generosity? Right? Is it, is it the church? Is it the organization? Is it with your family? Maybe, maybe some of us need to be more generous with our family. What, what are the areas in your life that you, you can find opportunities to serve God? And maybe, maybe you're the person in the room that says, Tim, I don't, I don't have money to give. Good. You have something to give in your talents, in your skills, in your spiritual gifting that you can offer to someone else, right? Because generosity isn't about you. It's about others, people around you, people who are in need. It's about showing other people God's graciousness towards you in giving them in what they lack. And keep in mind, God doesn't need your money, but what he wants is your heart. And he wants to shape and form your heart to see that to be generous is to be like him. He doesn't expect you to come to him with hands full of money. He doesn't expect you to come with bags of money to him, what he expects you to come to him with empty hands and says, God, what do I have? What have you given me to be generous to other people? I'll leave you with this quote. It's a great quote. Donald Whitney says this. Some people give to God like they fork over to the IRS after an audit. Others give to God like they pay their electric bill. But a few people give to God like they gave an engagement ring to their fiance or like they gave wrapped surprises to their enthusiastic four-year-old kid on Christmas morning. Some give because they know they can't keep it. Others give because they believe they owe it. This is a good one. Watch this. Let's just listen. And a happy few give because they say they can't keep it. Right? That's what God wants. That attitude, that posture to give generously because he's been generous to you. Let's pray. God, would you show us how to be more generous with our resources, our time, our energy, our spiritual gifts? God, would you create spaces in this week to demonstrate your generosity to others. Would you give us a heart of gratitude towards your son Jesus for the gift that he's been for us? Would you, O oh Lord, stir in our hearts to create habits and disciplines that testify of your generosity? 
And God, for those of us who struggle to give, God, would you provide in ways that only testify of your generosity? We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.